So I want to talk to you about why are you so fearful. Matthew, Mark chapter 4 verse 35 to 41. And as you remember over the last few weeks we were talking about uh, uh, following Jesus through the book of Mark. And why are you so fearful? We are living in a time of fear right now. You're looking on your news, or you turn your TV on the newspapers, you talk to people in the street, and it is so befitting that as we study through the book of Mark that we come to this passage today. We're talking about fear today in an environment that is so fearful. And let it be known today that your faith is going to be tested, my faith is going to be tested over the next week, over the next month, over the next six months. So it doesn't matter how many Bible studies you've attended, it doesn't matter how many sermons you've attended, it doesn't matter what you say, or what your, theology, your viewpoint is on the Bible, what you think of, of this particular thing, how you vision, you know, all of these big words in the Bible over the next few months is going to become real. As fear steps in, it will become real because it will test your and my faith. So this is where, as they say, the rubber is going to read the road. This is going to become so practical to us now. So we've been looking for the last four weeks into the parables in the gospel according to Mark. We saw the parable of the sower and we asked the question, what are we going to do with the gospel? We're going to spread the gospel. We're going to speak about the gospel. The seed's been sown into your life. Now you need to sow it into other people's lives. How is the environment going to change now? I can tell you one thing. When disaster hits humankind, then they run to see if there is a God. The agnostics all of a sudden start to find out. The atheists all of a sudden ask, where is this coming from? Let it be no surprise to you if you read through the the book of Revelation, that these, you know, a lot of the things that Revelation talk about, you can see some people getting hardened, more hardened, and other peoples will become more seeking. So now is the time for you to understand the seed that's been sown into your life, the gospel. People might well now, in times of fear, approach you. Have you got the answer? Are you ready? This is it. What are you going to do with the gospel? We saw the parable of the lamp. And, 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 and the question we ask is, what are you going to do with the light? This is the best time to shine the light into a dark world. As others frantically panic, you as a child of God should be at peace. And they should walk around and say, what is it with you that everybody's panicking but you're not panicking? And that becomes to them a beacon of light that they can see and they can watch and they can follow. And people might, might they, this is the time they might come to you and say, what is it about you that you are so calm? Well, now that you've asked, let me tell you. And the light will attract people. It will attract people in darkness. I was on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean, and I don't know about you, but at night time, when I stood on the balcony and you look over the ocean, you can see nothing. It is black. And on this particular night, as I walked out onto the balcony, I could see a little dot right there. A dot of what? Of light. And you know what that told me? Where there's light, there must be life. Where there is light, there must be life. 
And I stood there on the ship and I looked over these masses of water at night. It's only darkness. It's all I could see. I could hear the water as the ship, you know, goes through the water. But I could see there, maybe it's a small yacht, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's a small island, but there's life. And this is the amazing thing. Jesus Christ came into this world and what did he bring? Light. Light. And where there's light, there is life. What the world gives you this morning is what? Darkness. Open up your newspaper, watch the news. It's darkness. And the light of lights came and it shined. Not only into the world, but into your darkened heart as well. The Bible says that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You were dead. And I'm telling you, if you are dead, it is dark. Yeah? And he came and he brought light. What are you going to do with light? The mystery of the growth of faith. We saw that in, in this, uh, this parable about the seed that was sown. And when he slept by night, the seed grew. And then last week we talked about the mustard seed kingdom. This mustard seed kingdom started small and it spread. But there was also a warning for us, and this will come to the fore now. I don't know if you've noticed the news, but the Pope and one of the imams came together and they acknowledged together and signed a document that Christendom and, um, and Islam is serving the same God. just happened this last week. I don't know if you've missed it. But you see, we're all focused on coronavirus, and these things happen right under your eyes. And let it be known this morning that I will declare to you, I make a declaration of that. We are not serving the same God as Islam. We are serving Elohim. And I said it last week. But, and this is the warning out of the mustard seed parable. And that is that birds came and they nested into this, what was supposed to be a herb, became a tree. Shura branches. And the birds came and they nested in those branches. So, over the next four weeks, God willing, we're going to come to the next section in Mark where he talks now about miracles. We will see that whatever Jesus was talking about and preaching and speaking with the authority from above is going to be followed by power signs now, by signs. And, and we are living in a generation who's seeking after signs, isn't it? Show us the miracles. Show us the signs. And it will come to the fore now. It will come to the fore you will have self-proclaimed apostles and priests and whatever, you know, prophets, and, and they will come and, and claim many, many miraculous things, and, and they could draw crowds unto them. But we follow Jesus and Him alone. No man. You're not allowed to follow any man but Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at a few uh, of the miracles, the storm on the lake, demon possession there in uh, Mark chapter 5, 1 to 20, the incur incurable physical illness. Maybe that should have been the message today, talking about a virus. <laughs> but uh, if you follow, we will come to that. And then also the biggest fear of all of mankind, death. Death. If you survey people today, I can, I can tell you that people are afraid of death. And there's so many facets around death that they will be. If you ask one person, they'll say, it's, I'm uncertain how I'm going to die. Is it going to be painful? How is it? You know, what is it going to be? Is it going to be a distress? You see, and this is the amazing thing about God. We don't know. If I tell you how you're going to die, you're going to live the rest of your life preparing for that. Isn't it right? 
But we don't know. We live day by day in trusting in our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people will say they don't fear that, but they fear the middle part of it. Uh, is it going to be prolonged? Am I going to suffer for so long? And some people fear about what happens after death. What happens after death? Well, the Bible is very clear. The Bible gives us the answer, what happens after death, so that you don't have to fret. Is that a good word to use? What does it mean? So that you and I don't have to fret. Okay, you make your own meaning out of the word, but you understand what I'm saying. Yes. So this is what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. But uh, remember what we're learning through going through Mark. Remember this. Never forget, we are learning who Jesus is and why He came. He is the Son of God. Remember, He, and we read it out of the Word this morning in Philippians, He was with God. He is God. And He came to live amongst us. There's so many proof in the Scriptures. There is historical proof that He came and lived amongst us. If you look in the history books, you'll find Jesus Christ, a Jew. They, they know Him. But his title that he uses, Son of God, he's the Son of God who reaches from heaven down. He came from heaven down. And then the title that Jesus himself used more than any other titles that has been given him is what? The Son of Man. You remember when Job cried out back, Who is there on this earth who can reach to God on my behalf? Because I can't. I can't. Who will reach from earth to heaven? Who will do that? And there's one who came. What was his name? Jesus Christ. He's the Son of Man who reaches from earth to heaven. He came to live amongst us, be amongst us. And then he died and he went to heaven. Where is he now? Who can tell me? Where is he? The right hand of the Father. The Bible tells us this. He's sitting right there. What is he doing there? Yes, he's preparing a place. What's he doing there? He's interceding on behalf. This is a well-known church. Look at the church, knowing their Bible, knowing their passages. This is fantastic. It's good to preach to the uh, converted this morning. And it's so good because it's true. He went and he's sitting now with the Father and he intercedes for us day by day. Minute by minute, second by second, he's interceding for you and me. Now let me ask you the question, do you need intercession? Absolutely, you need the intercession. Let, let me tell you, I don't want to live on this earth without Jesus. I don't want to walk out of my house without the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that He lives in us and is with us. How long? How long? Forever. Forever. How wonderful is that? So He's showing us. Remember, He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. And now, in these, in these miracles, He's going to show us His sovereign authority over various powers that we find hard. These things that He's going to show us that He's got power and authority over, we find it challenging, don't we? Don't we find it challenging? The first one, we're going to look at the storm on the lake. I don't know if you saw, but there was another tornado hit Nashville last night. Homes destroyed. You know, these are storms. These things, you as mankind, can you stand there and this massive force of, the, of nature comes upon you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You almighty man, what are you going to do? This is so powerful. This is so powerful. If you're in a storm in the midst of the ocean and a tempest come up again, what are you going to do? You, you're going to hope that, that you've trained yourself to get out of it. I was in the army. You train yourself to get muscle memory. 
so that in circumstances you can, your muscle, your body takes over to take you out of danger into safety. But here comes a man. Here comes, and he lives with us, and he, and he demonstrates to us that he's got power and authority. Now, now listen to this now very carefully. He's got power and authority. Those two words isn't the same thing. Power and authority is not the same thing. You can have power without authority and it makes you abusive. You can have power without authority and it makes you abusive. And you can have authority without power, it makes you weak. But what I'm talking about today is somebody who had both. Who had both, who can speak a word of power with the authority from above and everyone listens. How wonderful is that? And we're going to see the evidence of that today. So uh, let's get into it. Mark chapter 4 verse 35. And what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to give commentary as we go through. And then I'm going to highlight two things for you to take away today. And we will pray and have nice food afterwards and go and see what the rest of the week is going to give us. So we're starting with the miracles. Mark chapter 4 verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, what day was this? Remember, this is the day that he spoke the parables to them. You've got to remember what he did. He got on a boat, remember that? And he was just pushing a little bit offshore, and the multitude was coming in, and he was talking from the boat. He never left the boat. I read nowhere that he left the boat. And it says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. This is significant for me that they say it's evening. What happens in evening? It's, it's the light is gone. And I can tell you now, the whole world looks different when the light's gone. When, when you take light out of it, you, you will walk into things. And especially when you come at night on water, on the sea, you can't see anything. You, you lose your direction. And if you can't see the stars, then you're lost. You're totally lost. And to make things worse, at night time, at evening time, when it was becoming dark, he tells his disciples to go over to the other side. Now, most probably, they've done it before. Because they didn't say to them, no, 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 it's too dangerous. So this is nothing new to them, that they traveled at night time with their lamps on, this, on the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't a massive sea, but it's right there. And at night time, they got onto this boat, and Jesus said, let's cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat. I love that passage. I want to ask you right now, in your little boat that you're steering through life, which is your personal life, have you got Jesus on your boat? These people took him on their boat. Well, he was there. He never left the boat. So they got in, into the boat with him, and they took him, and look at this now. He says, as he was. They took him as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great storm, windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. Now, back in, those, in, in, the, in that place, not in those days, even today, the Sea of Galilee, I wasn't there personally, but I read up about these things, and they say the way that storms form on the sea, it is the wind blows through the mountains. 
And once it becomes like a tunnel, a funnel of wind coming through, and it, and it waves up the, the waves, or it lifts up the waves, or pushes against the waves, and you get really, really bad storms. So this is what happens. But remember, it is at night time. It makes things much more worse. At daytime, at least, you can see where you're going. You can see the land afar off. You can steer in directions. Or at night or in daytime, you can actually see when a wave comes your way. You can prepare for that. You can prepare for the impact. But this, this is at night. And let me tell you, let me use the situation this morning. You and I don't know what's going to happen in the next week, in the next two weeks, in the next month. Are we? Do we? With this disease going on. You see, there's things that is going to catch us offside, off guard. It's going to come from directions that we couldn't imagine it will come from. And you know, it, it could even hit your house. You don't know. So in a way, I want to use this and say that we, uh, from time to time, is in storms ourselves. Uh, make this apply to your life. This is not a theological sermon I'm preaching to you. I want to preach to you an application this morning. I want to encourage you this morning to realize that here is a situation that physically happened, and it's happening in our day and age. I, I said it so often, you know, this is a virus going around now. But what if you go and see the doctor with a pain in your body, your life was perfectly fine, and he says there's a lump that we need to check out. I've spoken to people like that. All of a sudden, it was unforeseen. It came out of left field. These men were sitting at night, at night on the water. They didn't know what was going to come at, uh, uh, for them. And now the Bible says that even then, when they were standing, when they were sitting in there, the waves started to beat into the boat, and it was already filling. Have you ever had that, that fear or that, that thought that you're sinking and nobody knows about it? Nobody knows about it. I'm sinking here. I'm lost here. Sometimes you pray and you say that your prayers feels as if it's, if it's hitting the roof. It, feel, it doesn't feel as if God is listening to them. You see, people's lives become like that sometimes. They just feel this, this sadness coming over them and, and it feels as if it's testing that. And then in verse 38 he says, But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Now wait a minute. Get this now. Jesus is sleeping on the pillow. But the Bible says that the waves came in. And where were the waves? The water? On the inside of the boat. These men on the boat, I could see them there with their buckets, throwing water out and throwing water out and throwing water out, just trying to stay afloat, to try to stay alive. And, and what happens? As soon as they throw water out, another wave comes and it crosses into the boat. But Jesus is sleeping in the boat. I don't know if you've seen those little boats. It's not as if they had cabins down there and Jesus says, look, I'm just going to in the cabin and don't disturb me. He was sleeping on a pillow, so he must have got wet, didn't he? Come on, let's, let's read what the Bible says. Let's take from the text. He was asleep on the pillow and, he, and the wind didn't wake him. And the storm, the waters didn't wake him. What woke him? They cries. And that, you know, that, that tells me something. That gives me some comfort. And the comfort is this, you know, that Jesus is at peace, at total peace. 
He was man just like them, and if they would have gone and drowned that night and everybody drowned, he would have died just like they died. He was a man just like them. But he's asleep. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You see, this is the big question people throw out when difficult times come their way. It happened with 9-11. You remember when the planes went into the buildings? The biggest outcry then, churches were filled in New York. Churches were filled. People were flogging to the churches. But they were running to the churches and said, Jesus, don't you care? Where were you when this happened? Isn't that, isn't that a question? And, and that'll come out again. Where were you when this happened? Don't you care for us? Don't you care? It's, it's the same kind of thing. You know, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We are dying here. Can't you see that? Let me ask you the question, can he see that? Of course he can. The Bible says God never sleeps nor slumber. You say, well, wait a minute, Jesus is sleeping there. Yes, I know. But God does not sleep or slumber. And I'm going to show that to you in a minute out of this passage. And they awoke him and said to him, come on, you know, we are perishing here. And then he arose. Hallelujah. What a beautiful words are those. Then he arose. You know, one day they killed him. They put him on the cross and they put him in the grave. And what happened? He arose. He arose. You want Him to arise in your difficult times, don't you? You want Him to be there. And He arose. And He rebuked the wind. You know, there's another passage. He said, hush! And I believe that when He said those words, He's with the authority that He said that. He rebuked the wind. And said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. A great calm. That's what he brings in. He brings calmness in. Now, I want you to imagine for a minute another thing. It says, how many boats were there? Was it only their boat? No, there were others as well who went with them. Do you think the storm hit the other boats as well? How wonderful is it, brother and sister? And this is what I say, that we need to shine that light. You know, people will look, if you've got Jesus on your boat, it will benefit your family. It will benefit others. It doesn't automatically save them. But there's going to come a time, listen to me now, there's going to come a time when difficult times come to them that they're going to seek you, the one who they didn't want to listen to. Your own family will do that. Oh, you're always the one who's the Jesus freak who talks about Jesus. We don't want to hear about you. What is this Jesus thing about you? Wait until trouble seats. And you, the calm one, they're going to come around to you. They're going to come around. They, it, it benefited those others when this also became calm. And he says in verse 40, But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? These are words. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? And they feared exceedingly. Now, their fear is, is exceeding. Remember, they feared the storm because of what the storm can do to them. The storm can kill them, can put them down. Jesus stood up with more power and authority than this storm. He calmed the storm and they feared exceedingly. And they said to one another, Who can this be that even wind and sea obey Him? So why are we studying through the book of Mark? To know who Jesus is and why He came. We learn here now more about Jesus, that He is a powerful Jesus, isn't He? 
He's got power over the natural elements, the sea, and the sea will even obey him. Now, I want to just talk to you about two things that I want to pick out, you know, go a little bit deeper in. The first one that I want to talk to you about is expectations. Expectations. Because we all got them, don't we? We've got expectations of one another. We expect you to do this. And you know what is the uh, disappointment? We expectations is right up there. And reality is right here. What happens? What is that gap there? Disappointment. That's where disappointment lies. And this is, you know, when I talk to families, when I talk to marriages, husband and wife, and I go, oh, yeah, but he disappointed me so much. Yeah, but she disappointed me that much. And I go, what's your expectation? And what's reality? Maybe we step reality up a bit and the expectation down and we, and we come down. Oh, but that's compromise, preacher. Yes, it is. I know. But sometimes our expectation, I mean, you came here this morning, you know, with expectations. Everybody comes with an expectation. Everybody comes here this morning seeking something. For, I hope that's right. Because God knows what our agendas in your heart is, what your thought patterns is and everything, and you've got an expectation. And it says there, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along on his boat as he was. As he was. How was he at that point in time? Let's think about this. He was sitting on that boat preaching to the multitude the whole day, wasn't he? They didn't say that he stepped off. He was sitting on the boat just as he was. He didn't have a cloak or anything. He was hungry. He was tired. Yes, he was tired because what happened? He went in the boat and he did what? He fell asleep. He went to sleep. But their expectation is Jesus is on the boat. And you know, we've got expectations among people. And sometimes we've got to be, we've got to be so careful even, you know, when we start studying the Word of God, that our expectation of this doesn't, we don't plant them over to other people and say, well, you've got to see it the way I see it. That's my expectation. No, no, there's, there's different influences that happens in each person here this morning in your life. I can't you expect you to see everything the way I see things. They took Jesus on as he was, and when a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, what was there? What did they think? What did they think? Jesus should have jumped up and started bailing out water there, started bailing. Come on. These were experienced men. They were experienced fishermen. Jesus wasn't, was he? He was a what? A carpenter. He knew how to build that boat, but he doesn't know how to steer that boat. So he was sleeping off there, and, and I can imagine these men at night time, the waves are hitting in, and the skipper who's steering this thing, he goes, let's steer in that direction, and the wave hits it, and at least, you know, the lamps, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of light, they can see it coming in, uh, but at least they could steer the thing because they're in control of this thing. But they expected at least for Jesus to come out and do something. That's the expectation. I remember in living in New Zealand, going out on the Iraqi Gulf, one day with a motorboat, when a few of the brothers in the church set off with me, we were going to go fishing. And in the morning, there was the Iraqi Gulf in New Zealand, is in, in the bay there in Auckland. And there's islands, and there's a place that we can go over and fish on the other side. And I rented the boat. I, I've got experience in boating, man. And we, we went over, and it was full force over the water, just to the other side. 
No wind. It was a beautiful... I remember the morning we said, beautiful. Wow, how privileged are we? Thank you, God. And we prayed on the boat. Woo, it's great. We got to the other side and I could see the water just going a little bit more and the wind picked up a little bit. Man, when we came back, we didn't pray and say, God, <laughs> we said, praise, Lord, help us. That's our prayer. I was the skipper of the boat and I held on to that steering wheel that one of the brothers said he was, he's, he's so afraid that I'm going to turn around the way that I clutched this thing around to him with the steering wheel in my hand. But I'll tell you what, there were, there were waves coming up to a meter and a half and I had to steer this thing because if you steer it wrong, the boat will roll. So I didn't have this experience that these men, but here is Jesus in the boat, the waves beat in and he's sleeping. You see expectations. He was stern asleep on a pillow and they woke and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You see, the wind didn't wake him. What woke him? They woke him up. They woke him up. Because they wanted him to at least bail out some water or do something. And it's, you know, there's two, two ways of it. Yes, call upon Jesus. But the expectation from them is one thing, and we need to apply to that as well, not to have the overly expectation on people. We should not protect our expect uh, project our expectancies on people of how they need to be. He came just as he was. He was very tired. He was looking for rest. He was in a storm, fast asleep. And they say, you don't care. This is not what they expected. You see, our plan in Jesus needs is that Jesus needs to assist our plan. We work sometimes through our storms, and we believe that, Jesus, you just come in and sit there and just help me when you can. No, Jesus wants to come, and he wants to take you through the storm. The second one I want to talk to you about this morning is faith. Because he says it right there. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now the question that we need to ask is faith in what? And the answer is right there, faith in His Word. Remember during the whole day, He was giving them parables. He was speaking to them. Jesus was with them. But they were starting to learn about Him. They needed to have faith in His Word. What did He say to them? He said, let us go over to the other side. Let us go over. And all they needed to do is go over to the other side and have faith in Him that they will get there. But they became fearful. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, So then, then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. He said to them, Let us go over. Every time you listen to the Word of God, your faith grows. But then you need to start applying them. Your faith needs to be tested to be faith. It's like when you build a ship, you know, a sailboat, and you build a sailboat, you get the best builders out there, and you get the best rope and the best mast and the best sails. Everything is perfect. And, you, and once it's finished, you call me over and you go, geez, look, preacher, there's that beautiful boat. And a year later, you call me over and you go, there's that beautiful boat. And I say, yeah, that's great. How's it performing out in the ocean? Oh, no, no, I haven't taken it out in the ocean. Why not? No, no, I'm afraid that if the wind blows against it, the mast might break. See, fear paralyzes you. That's one of the things about fear. It paralyzes you. I'm afraid to take it out. I'm afraid to get it tested. 
It's only when you push it out into the ocean and the wind blows and fills the sail and you hear the creaking on, on, on the ropes that you know this thing is going to last, that you take it into the bigger and deeper ocean. I like it when a man like Warren Wiersbe said the following. Uh, I absolutely love this when he speaks about this passage. He says, Jonah ended up in a storm because of his disobedience. You remember that? But the disciples got into a storm because of their obedience to the, to the Lord. He said to them, let's go over at evening. And at evening, the storm came up and they were right in the middle of the storm. They obeyed God. And all God is wanting you to is obey His word. He will work out the rest. He wants you to obey His word. Faith and fear cannot exist together. Faith and fear cannot exist together. And like I've said before, faith, uh, fear paralyzes your faith. I've preached a whole sermon on this. It's on the, online. A whole sermon around fear and faith. You can't exist both of them. You can either have one or the other. And if you're going to have fear in your life, you're going to be paralyzed. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. Now I understand if you read this passage in context, it talks about preaching the gospel because people are so afraid of preaching the gospel, but still we can apply it to all of our lives, to all facets of our lives. He did not give us a spirit of fear. Now I know psychologists will say to you that fear is good in some instances. Because fear will make you to react, to save your life. But in a spiritual sense, brother and sister, if you have faith in Jesus, another word for faith is trust. If you trust Jesus with all of your heart, He will carry you through. There's another scripture, uh, uh, a definition for faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, he says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Look at the word here, substance. What does it mean? Does it mean something you can touch? Yes. Substance is this. This is substance. Now he says faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. What is he saying? He says we can't see these things. It's evidence of things we can't see, but it's substance. But that's faith. You believe in that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, he says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. Things we can't see, we walk in that. And not by sight. Oh, but the world these days wants to see first. They want to see first. Show me and I believe. Now the faith he's talking here is not, it's not blind faith. It's trusting faith. So we think about these men. They went onto the ship at night. Jesus shows them his power over nature. And, and another amazing thing about it is when we're in the middle of the storm, what do we see? We see the waves. But it's the wind behind the waves that was driving this on. And when he came, what did he say? He rebuked the wind. He rebuked the wind. And he calmed the waves. Praise the Lord. So finally, I want to say this morning, if somebody will call my wife so that we can prepare to sing. Storms in life will happen. Different in your life than mine. Or the same. We're all thrown into the same storm right now, aren't we? This is a massive storm. And your faith 
will be tested. You see, storms are there to test your faith. Your faith will be tested. But it's also going to draw you closer to Jesus. When they were in the middle of that night, what happened? They looked for Jesus. And let me say this morning, he's the only one I want to preach. He's the only one I want to hear. When Paul came around and he stood and he wrote this to the church in Corinth, he said to them, I want to hear one thing and one thing only in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The only one who can help you through everything of your life is Jesus. You say, so what? So what about the storm? So what, preacher, about everything you've said this morning? What are you going to operate in? Fear or faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the preaching of the word, by reading the word. And it's true, we might not gather next Sunday or the Sunday after. You might be isolated from brothers and sisters who encourage you. How are you going to operate in those times? You might even get sick. How are you going to operate? Faith, trust in Him. So we've learned something more about Jesus, and that is that He has got power over nature. Next week, God willing, we look how He deals with things we find hard to... Let's pray. Heavenly Father... We thank you this morning for your word and for the encouragement out of your word, Lord. If you could have helped men physically in the middle of an ocean, Lord, and calm the, the wind and the sea, I pray, Lord, that you calm the wind in people's lives this morning. People who hear me,